My name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples through serving in the greater Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. So we have uh, worshipped by gathering, just the very nature of our coming together and uh, being with one another, submitting ourselves to one another, and and, uh, putting ourselves in a spot where we can interact with one another uh, for the sake of the kingdom is an act of worship. We've also worshipped through singing, the proclamation of who God is and what He's done, um, and it kind of helps us join in with what many of the uh, many Christian churches have done throughout the age in, in just kind of coming together and, and singing various creeds and helping us to understand what it is that we're doing here. We have worshipped through giving of tithes and offerings, taking, uh, recognizing that everything that we have, we have received. And, and so we, we generously give to God. And it's a way of kind of waking our hearts up to being service-minded. Uh, we're about to worship through listening to the proclamation of God's Word. Before we do that, we're going to worship through communion. Uh, it's this coming together, and it's, a, it's the meal that kind of separates the, and kind of distinguishes the Christian church from a lot of churches throughout history. Uh, there aren't, or through, throughout, uh, excuse me, not churches, but rather um, various religions throughout history. You notice that there aren't many that have, have a meal like this one. And uh, you think, man, meal? I, I don't smell anything. What kind of meal are we going to have? Well, it's going to be a very simple meal. And, uh, and it's, what had happened was Jesus had gathered with, with his friends the last time that he was, he was together with them. And, and they had this meal, and it was, this, it was a sacred meal that many of the, the Jews had celebrated for thousands of years. And it was in, in, to remember the way that they'd been redeemed and that they'd been rescued out of Egypt. And, and Jesus breathed new life into that meal and extends it not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And, and what was about to happen with him, with his death and resurrection, um, kind of opened the way up and, and invited us in. And so, by, we, so we do this to remember that, and, so we, and, and also to, to say to one another that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in this. And it's kind of a, a weekly, or however often you celebrate it, we do it weekly, uh, but a, a reminder that we're with one another. And, and we're in this together, and it's this proclamation to one another that we're, we're taking up the cross and we're following Christ. And that's, and that's the, the most important thing in our life. And so what we do here at Communitas is we celebrate what is called... Uh, so we celebrate weekly, and uh, parents, we're going to leave it up to uh, you to decide with your, with your kids... Who, uh, whether they come up, but um, we do what's called open communion. So uh, you don't have to be a member of Communitas to take communion. We just ask that if you're a Christian, and come on up. And so the way that we do this is we're going to take a little bit of time in silence just to reflect on who God is, what He's done for us, who Jesus is, how He lived His life, what that sacrifice meant to us. And then we're going to honor the Holy Spirit and the way that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives even now. And uh, we know that in a group this large, we have some people that are not really sure what's going on spiritually in their life, and they've got a lot of questions. And if that's you, we're glad that you're here. This is a safe place for you to ask those questions and then good people uh, around which to ask those questions. And so during this time, just you maybe use the silence to just ask God, hey, you know, 
show me who you are. Think about who Jesus is and just to ask the Holy Spirit to, to work in your life. And we understand that there's, uh, there's some, some kids in here, and we're all glad that you're here. It's good to see you. And, and there's going to be some noises and some settling and some moving around, and that's okay. So we're going to take a, a time of silence to reflect on who God is, what He's done, who Jesus is, what His life meant, and, and how the Holy Spirit might be working in our life and convicting us and moving us closer to the image of God that we've been created in. And as you're ready, come forward and grab the elements that we've set out to your right, uh, and to, or to, your, to your left and to your right, and then bring those back to your seat with you and then once everyone's come up, I'll read some words from Scripture and we'll all partake together. So there's no set time on the silence. We're just going to hang for a bit. And as you're ready, come on forward. Heavenly Father, we thank You for all that You've created, all that You've ordained, and all that You've done in our life. Lord, we thank You for the people that are gathered here today and gathered um, to worship You around the world. I'm glad that we are able, by Your Spirit, to join with them. And Jesus, we thank You for the life that You lived, the death that You died, and then um, the way that You rose again and have offered life to us. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that You would quiet our minds and settle our hearts so that we can hear You during this time. May this be a time that we would listen to You and not talk as You reveal to us who You are, what You've done, who we are, and what we are to do. As they were eating this last meal, the last time they were all together, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to His disciples and said, Take and eat. This is My body. And then He took a cup. And when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is the blood of My covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. All right. We've got a couple buckets that are going to be coming around. Feel free to drop the cups in there and we will recycle them for you. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 22 and we're going to go through the end of Matthew chapter 18. So feel free to flip there. Uh, if you have a paper Bible, it'll look kind of like this when it's open. Uh, more pages to the left than to the right. Uh, if you have a mobile device, feel free to pull that out and follow along there by tapping, swiping, or doing whatever you need to do. Uh, Greg is going to come on up and read the words for us from Scripture today. And if uh, neither a paper Bible or a uh, mobile device are available or preferable to you, the words will be displayed on the screen behind me. Hello, everybody. I'm Greg. Uh, my wife, Sadie, in the back, and our daughter, Sophia, have been here. Uh, since creation, for those who are here during the casket empty, that was the sea and casket. <laughs> so not as long as you think. <laughs> Good pun, though. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day, and they will be greatly distressed. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? For those who, 
for, the, for whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or their others? And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shackle. Take that and give it to them for me and yourself. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling him to, calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever reaches one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have, great, have a great milestone fastened around his neck and to be uh, drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world of temptation to sin, for it is necessary that temptation come, but woe to the one whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter the life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter the life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones shall perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every that every charge uh, every charge may establish by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in heaven shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he begins to settle, one who has brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents, and since could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who had owned him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. 
he refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had take, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported the master all that, he had ta- all that had taken place. Then his master summoned to him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you. And in anger the manger the master delivered him to the jailers until they should pay all his debts. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Thanks, Greg. And thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you've offered us. Pray that we would also offer it to those in our midst. And thank you for the preservation of your word and that we're able to gather together and read it freely. Now we know that is not the case in other churches around the world. All right, kids, you know what time it is. Okay, if you are little, feel free to head on out toward this door over here. Rachel and Scott, Naomi, and a few others have some great lessons planned for you and are going to enjoy spending some time with you while you are there. Lord, we thank you for these kids and pray that we would demonstrate what it is to follow you and grow them in the faith so that they would come to know you and continue to advance your kingdom throughout the world. Amen. just want to give credit where credit is due. There is a uh, commentary on the book of Matthew. Uh, commentaries are these kind of academic thick books usually that talk about various biblical passages and uh, give comment on them and uh, some of the much of the outline today is from a guy named Frederick Dale Bruner Uh, the words are my own but kind of the ideas are are pretty closely tied to his so just want to give credit to him and the work that he did uh, on the book of Matthew so picture a man he knows he's terminal more so than, uh, you know, than, than a cancer patient, more so than anybody that's, that's suffered with a, the great terminal disease. I mean, he knows without a shadow of a doubt that no miracle is available. There is, there's no way he escapes the death that's coming to him. He knows that he will die young. He will not know late night snuggle times. He will not know the joy of, of growing old with someone else. He will not know that feeling of walking hand in hand with someone for an extended period of time. He will, he will not know the joy of sitting on a rocking chair, looking out over a garden that he's worked on for many years. He'll know loneliness. He'll know shame. He'll know abandonment. He'll know betrayal. And it's coming quickly. He has all of his faculties with him. He's 100% aware. It's crystal clear. And this is what is for him. But he also has this wild following. Everywhere he goes, this crowd gathers around him. When he throws a dinner party, I mean, he has this unbelievable 
guest list. I mean, think about the most extravagant guest list that you could think of. Think about the largest wedding you've ever attended. And think about just the craziest sporting events, all these sorts of things where there's the number of different people and all the folks that have been represented. And, and that's just a fraction of, of the guest list that this guy has, has thrown parties for and has been to and has invited to come to these various banquets. And where it seems that, that man, there's just not, the, you know, you ever have one of those banquets where you, you go and you're going, oh man, I don't know if we're going to have enough food. I mean, that was never the case for this guy. It was just never ending. And this is the life of Jesus. And this is where we find Jesus in today's passage. He starts off this conversation. So we're, we, we've, we came out of last week and, and we talked about faith. And faith kind of starts with, with listening to what God has said you know, to us and has said about us and acknowledging that verbally and, and, and walking in obedience to Him and having, you know, not only being Christ-centered, but, but as we're Christ-centered, we need to be cross-centered as well in our actions. And so Jesus starts with, uh, in, in Matthew 17, the beginning of, uh, or with 22, it says, as they're gathering. So if you remember, so last week, uh, just a little review, if you weren't here, we talked about this, this scene where Jesus brings his friends, a couple of his friends up on a mountain and they have this crazy wild experience. And then they go back down into the valley and the other nine that were there to kind of take care of the crowds, they, they're having some issues. And, and so it's kind of this tough, like, all of a sudden, you know, things are starting to get kind of real. And Jesus had told his disciples, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to Jerusalem and I'm, I'm going to die. This is what's going to happen. They're like, no, nah, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then they have these crazy experiences and they're kind of going, okay, this is not exactly what I thought it was. And so it seems as though this is, as they're gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, so as they're gathering, well, they were already in Galilee. So as they're gathering, so we kind of get this idea that, um, you know, they, they took a little break. Jesus was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you just chill for a moment. And uh, why don't you just take a day off, reflect on what's been going on. We've been, we've been grinding this out pretty hard. Why don't you just have a moment? And then from 22 to the end of 18, uh, it's kind of this, he has this little sermon for them. And, and what he does is he's going to talk a little bit about uh, what it is to to live in community. He understands. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you in charge, and, and we're gonna have to work together on this. I don't know if you've ever been. Um, I've in my in my work life, I've been a part of a couple different organizations where I've I've either helped. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, I helped open a retail store, and so there's all this preparation to get a store open. Uh, I also worked at a movie theater that was closing, and so there was all this kind of prep work to to close it down well. And how do we do that? And you have to work with people to to help you know to do that. And I've been a part of a couple of different organizations that at various uh, various stages in their development. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure many of you, if you've if you spent time in the workplace or just out with in volunteer organizations, you'll notice. What's what's one thing in that that people have in common when they're working in a group? Like how do they want things to be done? Their way, right? Like naturally, like if, if you get together and, and you're 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 in a group, what do you want to do? You want to do it your way. And Jesus recognizes because while he died young, he did not die foolish. And he recognizes that man, if if this thing is going to take off, if we're going to go. 
around the world and throughout time and breathe life into the depths of eternity, we got to talk about how we live with one another. And so we talk about loving God and loving people and making disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. Well, how are we going to do this? Well, we have to, Jesus is going to leave us some, some pretty practical advice. So if you are a note taker, there are two things that we're going to talk about and there's going to be three points each. Um, and, so, and so Jesus is going to say, if you want to be the church, if we want to live in community, and not just the, the type of community where we all, you know, kind of everybody gets along and it's super peachy and it's really fun until we don't get along and then we just kind of, everyone just passively goes our separate ways as, as, as can be the case in the upper Midwest. Jesus is saying, no, I'm talking about a community that's built on me. That flows out of and comes back to what I did on the cross. And so you say, if you want to live in that kind of community, you need to be ready to deny yourself and have concern for others. And so if you're a note taker, feel free to write those down. Denial of self and concern for others. And if you're just a listener, listen to those words. Are you ready for denial of self and concern for others? And, and so we, we're just going to go through, uh, he, kind of, he breaks it down really simply in, in the rest of this chapter, just a few different ways in which we interact with various groups of people and how we're going to do that. And so they come to Capernaum, which is, uh, so if, if you remember, this is Matthew is the writer of, of Matthew, and he was a tax collector for Rome. So I find this really interesting. So we're in his hometown, and, uh, and we're in his, in his professional sector, but not in his necessarily in his place of employment. So he worked for Rome, and so he was kind of viewed as a traitor. And all of a sudden, Jesus is approached by these people that want to talk about temple tax. So I think it's just kind of a fun thing that Matthew is like, hey, he's the only one that, that jots this story down because he's like, oh yeah, we're talking tax. That's my jam. I know this stuff. So he writes it down. And so these people come up to Jesus and they say, and, and his disciples say, why don't you pay the tax? And now earlier, Jesus talked about how he's greater than the temple. And so he gives him this little logic lesson. And now what could Jesus do in this, in this point? He could just say, look, Jack, I'm bigger than the temple. Like, the temple is going to be done here in a little bit. I supersede that temple. I don't need to pay no tax. Get out of my face. What does he do? He shows us that self-denying love and faced with unbelievers is flexible. Takes the, takes the freedom that he has and he curbs it. And he says, yeah, I could, I could not pay the temple tax, but I don't want to be a stumbling block. I want to be inviting these people in. I want them to see and to know the love of my Father and to walk in my ways. And so, yeah, I can be flexible with that. We'll pay a temple tax. It's no big deal. I'm free to do that or free to not but it's more important to me that you know my Father. And so Peter, why don't you go cast a line, catch us a fish, and pay these, pay these folks. And so self-denying love is flexible in the face of non-believers. In the beginning of, of 18, there's this, this question. I love that the disciples are starting to ask questions now. They're not just making the blanket statements that they had. They're starting to to ask questions, right? They're becoming teachable. Their hearts are softening. And say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Basically, like, 
I want to know how to be number one. You ever be around, have you ever been around someone who's just competitive? Like everything is a, is a game to them. Like they have to win. Like, oh, I got dressed first. I got dressed the best. You know, like, oh, I got out the door first. I, ate the, I you know, just like everything is, a, is, is about competition. You know, like you have to win. And like in the faith, like, oh, what, what are you doing? You know, like I had this great experience. And we saw that last week with, you know, Peter. Oh, here's this great, you know, experience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it here. This is the best. I'm going to set up a tent so you all can hang out. And then we've got the, you know, it'd be really easy, or we could be on the other side, those folks in the valley, like, well, what did you, all, you were all up hiking with Jesus, we were down here doing the work, we were doing the ministry, trying to do this stuff, it failed because you weren't here, like, oh, you know, this big, like, macho ego thing, and so it kind of begs this question, like, well, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? Well, I'm, I'm not being a jerk, for starters, okay, and so... And so we see that the self-denying love of Jesus causes the Christian community to be humble in the face of competition. And I love this. Um, I don't know if you saw when, when some of those little people left here. Like, did they drudge this way? No, like they sprinted, right? Like they're like, sweet, let's go have fun. We're out of here. Um, so this faith like a child, like what is it? Well, like what does it mean to have faith like a child? Well, what what are kids like the best at? One of the things that kids they're they're good at a lot of things. One of the things that kids are the best at, and way better than adults almost every time, is getting gifts, right? Like, when was the last time that you opened up a present that you didn't know that you were getting because you didn't look on Amazon or anything like that, and you, like, jumped up and down and ran around in circles and, like, shouted at the top of your lungs and showed all your friends and were, like, just super stoked about it, right? Like, and, and I'm not talking about when you got a new car or, like, you went out to dinner or, you know, you got a new bike or whatever and you, you know, put that up on Instagram or whatever else. I'm talking about just a very simple toy, like, you know, just Christmas time. Like, think about Christmas. Who's more excited, kids or adults? You know, you get a gift, you're like, hey, cool, thanks, yep, awesome. Kids get a gift and they lose their mind. Why is this? They humbly receive Think about the times that we, you know, someone tries to give us something or tries to help us out. And, you know, what, what do we do? No, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I don't know. You, like, it's a cup of water. Do you, do you want to want No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's, it's 90 degrees outside. Oh, no, I'm cool. Like, it's got ice in it. Well, I suppose I'll take a sip. You're like, isn't that our demeanor so often culturally? Like, and, and that's the approach that we so often take to the Lord. You know, just like, oh, you know, here's God. I'm going to lavishly give gifts to you. I'm going to offer you freedom through faith. I'm going to allow you to walk in wholeness. And we're like, oh, no, it's, I'm, I, can, I can do it on my own. Like, really? Doesn't really look like it. So, why do we have faith like a child? Well, because nobody receives like a child. So, the self denying love of God represented in the Christian community is flexible. It's humble, and it's also discerning and sensitive. So if, you want to, if you're into writing, writing things down, those are three things that you could write down underneath self-denial. It's, that it's flexible, it's humble, and it's discerning and sensitive. And so that's where when we get into seven, uh, chapter 18, starting in, in verse 5, uh, excuse me, verse 6, we get this but. So he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So that's that. And be humble. 
be excited about the gift that the Lord has given you. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. That sounds horrible. And so it wakes us up to this idea that, that man, when you've got a young believer, if you've got someone who isn't, isn't sure where they're at with the Lord and they're just trying to figure it out, like you've got to be discerning and sensitive. And, and this, isn't, this is kind of family meeting. Like Jesus is kind of sitting down the, down the folks and He's like, hey, look, if you're in the church, this is what this is about. And if you're outside of the church, like this is what you should expect from people within the church. Like you've got, we have to be sensitive and discerning because we have an opportunity to to speak life and to represent Christ well, we don't want to pass up on that opportunity. So Jesus is trying to get us, you know, denial of self. It's not about you. It's not about your experience or what you've done. As your pastor, I really hope that you enjoy coming here on, on Sunday mornings. I hope that you, you know, enjoy the music. I hope that the preaching doesn't totally put you to sleep. I hope that you learn something and that that, that moves you to change your life and to participate in what God is doing in and, and around and through us. And I hope that you meet good people. And I hope that as a result, like you go out and you we serve. But at the end of the day, it is not about us. It is about Jesus and what He's done and what He's doing in our lives. It's not about us and our experience. Those are all blessings, but it shouldn't be what we base our faith upon. It must be based on the cross. And so I can almost picture this, this conversation with uh, you know, with, with Peter and Jesus, you know, like, okay, so Peter's kind of being like, okay, so, all right, denial self, like, I'm, I'm talking less, you know, I, I used to say a lot of things, got my mouth in trouble, now I'm, I'm asking questions, I'm not blurting thoughts, okay, I'm going to deny, deny myself, well, like, what about other people? Because I, I don't know about any of you, but I don't live in isolation, I interact with people fairly frequently, not just because I, I like people, but just because I, I live on earth, and I have neighbors, and I, I you know, I walk to work and I bump into people and I, you know, I, I see people at various jobs and things like that. Is everybody else, that's kind of your experience. You see people. I mean, it's, it's really easy. And so you go, okay, okay, denial of self. All right, well, what about other people? And so Jesus says that our concern for others will be made perfect when we love others. And so the Christian community shows love through concern for others by seeking the wandering. And so Jesus tells this parable about the lost sheep. And if you've spent time in, in Christian churches, you may have heard uh, you know, these parables about how there's, there's 99 of something and, and one of something else, and, and Jesus goes to find that to bring it back. Or there's you know, ten, not, somebody has 10 of one thing, and they have, they have nine, and they can't find that, ten, that other one, and they, they wait and they look around. And, and a lot of times we talk about this as it pertains to evangelism. So going out and, and talking to people that don't know Jesus and saying, yeah, come on back, brother. This is, this is talking about the church. And so this is this moment where, I mean, you can be in the church and, and sometimes like you just you start to wander a little bit. You're just not really sure what's going on. And you're like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head over this direction. And, so it's, and this is what Jesus is saying here. So there, there's, there's this one person that's starting to, to drift and Jesus is saying, hey, like, I'm going to leave the 99. I'm going to grab this person and bring them back in. And that's our obligation. And so how, the way that we, in community, that's 
Christ-centered and cross-centered is we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna seek out those who are wandering, and not in the way of kind of guilt or sin policing, but just out of our love and affection and appreciation for them, compel them to come back and walk in wholeness. And sometimes we um, sometimes we go a little bit further. Sometimes we we'll just kind of be in outright blatant sin. And and we you know we like that's gonna happen. Like we're gonna we're gonna do things, there's gonna be people here that are gonna that are going to offend the other, they're gonna sin against someone else. One of the guarantees that I can make in most of the relationships is that at some point in time I'm going to sin against that person. Right? Like that's that shouldn't shock any of us. That's part of of human nature. I hope that it is less as I grow in maturity, but it it's still from time to time it's gonna happen. And in time, and in my relationships with other people, they're also going to fail me. They're also going to sin against me, and I have an obligation in there. And and we as Christians, when we show love by concern for others, we're going to confront. So we're going to seek. We're also going to confront. And so in uh, chapter eighteen, verse fifteen, it says, "If your brother sinned against you, go and tell him his fault." So whose obligation is it? My brother sins against me. Whose obligation is it? Who initiates the reconciliation? I do. I go to them. We're going to read later about how we go and make disciples. And so this is go. You're supposed to go to your brother or your sister and say, hey, look, you've, you've sinned against me in this, in this way. And I want, to, I want to bring unity again. I want to res- restore relationship for the sake of community. Not for my feelings, that's helpful, but for the sake of community because, because of the love of God. And sometimes it can be kind of tricky where you're just like, gosh, I don't, I don't know how to think through this. I'm offended and I gotta, I gotta parse out my emotions. And so what I don't do is I don't go to Megan and say, oh, you know, this person did this and now I'm really mad and I don't really, you know. No, I say, because what, what have I just done there? I've just slandered that other person. I've now sinned against them. And I've tarnished their name in Megan's ears. And so when we talk about the way that people have sinned against us, we must always do it in a way where that person's name is safe on our lips. And we uphold their dignity and honor them. And so if we're confused, we say, this, you know, I've been sinned against in this way and I'm not sure how to, how to handle it. Because now we're able to parse out thinking we're able to understand and and grow in our knowledge and our ability to bring about reconciliation and we diffuse the anger that we have against someone else and there's times that i mean i don't know if if you've done this in your life i've had to do this a few times and i've had this done to me and usually what happens is you go oh i i didn't know i didn't mean to i'm sorry will will you forgive me and we have just exactly what has happened here where restoration occurs. I've had the unfortunate occurrence where I've, I've done this and, and someone just said, nah, not too interested. Okay. So then you, you get the group, you get a couple more, and you say, hey, look, we all see this going on. And usually at that point they go, yeah, you're right. Right. 
and uh, only a handful of times have I been part of it where you've got to eventually bring someone before the church and you just say, you know, what way do you want to go? And usually at that point in time, the person who's in blatant sin is like, yeah, I don't really want to walk in wholeness or be with people that that want to do this, so I'm out. But at the at the very least, we don't think it's not about the rea- not about the outcome, but about obedience to the process. And so, love shows concern for others by seeking and by confronting. And we go, man, but like, what? How does this all play out? What do we? You know? Well, it seeks, confronts, and love that's concerned with others forgives. And so in verse 21, we get Peter asking questions again. He says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? Great question, probably a lot of times. And and I forgive him. Basically, like, I've got a fuse, and how long until that fuse blows up and I don't have to forgive him anymore? How long is it until I can just, you know what? The heck with it. They can go their way. I'm going to go my way. We're done. Seven times, which is kind of Hebrew code for like a a lot, but a limit, you know? And Jesus is like, no, 77 times, which is like a huge number. Like, Like basically what he's saying is that for the repentant sinner, forgiveness is never off the table. He's saying that there is, and he tells this story uh, about about this guy who doesn't, who gets forgiveness. He says, you know, so this this first amount, the the debt that he has, this like what is it, ten thousand, you know, so he's got this this debt of you know like ten thousand, whatever. And it's basically it's it's the equivalent. It's like the highest number that you could think of in the Greek language. It's it's it'd be like instead of me owing one of you something, it'd be like me owing like. And just having like a personal size debt. This is like the state of Minnesota. This is like a Roman province size debt. There is no amount, like this is an unfeasible, like uncomprehendable amount that someone could even possibly get this much debt. And Jesus is saying, even that is forgiven. So he's saying that no matter what you do, no matter how much, how much your sin is, no matter how great your debt is, no matter how profane your offense is, to the Lord, to the repentant sinner, forgiveness is always on the table. And this is good news. And so why does Jesus start with his death? Why does he begin this, this, this sermon by talking about, hey, I'm going to go and die. Like, I'm going to go and die, deny yourself, have concern for others. Well, because it comes from the cross. Forgiveness is not about an experience that we have, or about work that we can do, but it is about what Jesus has done and the forgiveness that he has offered to us. And he invites us to take up that cross, deny ourselves, show concern for others, and bring about wholeness and unity to the church at large. And he does this by saying, come to the cross and go from the cross. It always comes back to and flows from the cross. Jesus' example of self-denying love, concern for the other. He's got the freedom while he's up on the cross to just be like, nah, I'm going to punt on this one. 
but with, with flexibility forgoes that freedom and in meekness that he described in the Beatitudes early on in the book of Matthew. He says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to curb that. I'm going to bench that for my people so they know what it is to love me and to love others. I'm going to be flexible so that they can come to me. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die alone, scourged, naked and abandoned, publicly executed. Why? So that the wandering can be sought, the sin can be confronted, and all can be forgiven. And he asks us to do that. So how are we able to go there? Well, because we see that Jesus went there first. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done before. It doesn't mean that it's, it's easy. The cross was not easy. Forgiveness can be tricky. Being flexible, humble, discerning, seeking out people that are wandering, confronting people that have sinned against us, yet forgiving them. If you want to do something that's amazing to an unbelieving world and to a world that's just jacked up and broken apart by sin. Be self-denying. Show concern for others. And it'll totally blow them away. And so have you, this begs the question, have, have you taken up your cross? Jesus has invited us to take up our cross, to follow Him This isn't necessarily a change of lifestyle, but a change in lordship. Who are we worshiping? Do we exist for our own self and our own pleasure and our own experience, or do we exist to honor and exalt the Lord? And everything that happens as a result of that is just cherry on top. And when you think about what greatness looks like, is it, is it about competing for the best experience or the biggest bank account, the most followers on Instagram, the coolest whatever it is for you, best shop, coolest craft, tight family, whatever it is. What does greatness look like? Are you measuring it by your standards or by the Lord's? And we're looking to do things for the kingdom or in obedience, rejoicing merely in the fact that we are allowed to be in the kingdom. Because this unbelievable guest list that where Christ sets this banquet out before us, for the repentant sinner, we get to find our name on that guest list. And to me, that is very, very good news. And so what are the ways that we're going to limit ourselves lower our opinions of ourselves, and seek others out? Who are the people in our lives that we see that are, that are adrift and need some help? Will you go to them? Like, are we gonna, what is it going to take for us to go to them this week? Will you do that? Will you give them a call, shoot them a text, send them an email, send them a letter, drop by and visit? I know that's shocking in this world. And what about you? Have, we, have you received... Forgiveness. Are you excited about it in the way that, I mean, we saw these children that get excited about the gift. Are we humble enough to receive the gift of forgiveness that Jesus has given us? 
and we rejoice that we've been found on that list. Pray with me. Lord, we're baffled by Your grace. The simplicity of Your Gospel and the life that You've called us to live. We know that it is not always easy, but that it is good. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that You would continue to work in our lives. Lord, for those who are who don't know you, we pray that the flexibility and the meekness of this church would compel them to want to know more. To the weak and the, the growing, God, we pray that we would nourish them well, guide them. Lord, to those who are wandering, we pray that we'd be a church that seeks them out. To those in sin, Lord, that we would we would confront them, but confront them in love, not out of anger. And where there is anger, Lord, that sadness would also be present. That sinning against you should move us to sadness and grief. And Lord, I pray that we would rejoice daily and walk in the forgiveness that you've given us. Amen. Amen. Uh, join us for caffeinated beverages and simple carbohydrates in the back. We have gluten and dairy-free options. I know we have gluten-free. I'm not sure about the dairy-free, but there's coffee. That's dairy-free, I guess. Uh, if you have not filled out one of these comment cards, uh, even if you're just visiting for the day, it's really helpful to get outsiders' perspective on things that we're doing here. So feel free to grab one of these. Uh, they're in the back. If you've not filled one out front and back. And as you go from here, as we gather together to worship and as we scatter to continue to worship and proclaim the name of Jesus, may you self-denyingly show the love of God through flexibility, humility, discernment, and sensitivity toward others. And as you confront others in love, seek them, confront them, and may we all walk in forgiveness that we have received from God as a precious gift. Go in peace.